And may that be the prayer of our hearts, nearer, still nearer. It's a beautiful song. Well, we do appreciate, and I mentioned this to the choir, everyone who's helped us uh, through the day here. And uh, uh, Brother Gwyn, uh, this morning Sunday school, we appreciate uh, you taking care of that. And then uh, uh, Brother Dean, uh, Wednesday night, and uh, and then everybody who's helped with the music and various and sundry things, babysitting tonight during the choir practice and all kinds of stuff. We just appreciate uh all that you've done through the week and through the day. Take your Bible tonight. Let's carry on as we go through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 7 is where we are. Mark chapter 7. Uh, One announcement that I forgot. I see a note, a card here. I forgot to announce about this. Um, uh, We have had this card for a while. We just keep forgetting to announce it. Crossroads Baptist is having a men's conference coming up. Maybe some of you have heard about it. Uh, Crossroads in Fishersville, and I'm not going to say this word right, Makaira, Makaira. Uh, it means something, and I can't remember now. You can look on the website, the Makaira Men's Conference. But uh, they're having a couple of very good speakers that we're very familiar with. Uh, Pastor Kurt Skelly uh, is one of the speakers that will be there. This is August the 9th and the 10th. If you're interested in going to this, this is something brand new that uh, they're just starting this year, uh, Pastor Spivey. Um, pastor Kurt Skelly is going to be there. He is the pastor who does the Awaken Conference that we've taken the teams to uh, up in Fredericksburg. He will be one of the speakers, and uh, we've known about Pastor Skelly for a long time, and just about a year or so ago became the pastor there in Fredericksburg. So we were tickled that he was going to be so nearby us. So he's going to be one of the speakers, and then, and then Pastor Kerry Schmidt. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Kerry Schmidt. He's Used to be with um, Pastor Paul Chapel out at uh, West Coast in the Lancaster Baptist Church, but he's been pastoring up in Connecticut now for a number of years. He will also be one of the speakers. So that will be a great uh, couple of days there at Crossroads, August the 9th through the 10th. Uh, if you're more interested in more information on that, let us know. We can get some more cards, or you can go to the Crossroads website and uh, look up more about that. But we just wanted to make that known and uh, let you men know about that opportunity, August the 9th and the 10th. Okay, Um, Mark chapter 7, let's just carry on. We went through this morning, verse uh, 23, and uh, try to apply some of the things that Jesus was doing, uh, some of the things that he said, uh, the way that he approached the Pharisees, and and, um, how, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, how the Lord Jesus just is able to probe right down to our hearts. That's what he came to do. He came uh, to um, uh, not be um, the one who's telling everybody everything they want to hear, uh, tickling people's ears and all of that. But Jesus came and he, he was the truth. He gave the truth. And Jesus is the way. He's the way of life. And um, boy, he isn't it interesting? I know I've said this a number of times in the series, but how often when you really stop and back up and think about the things Jesus is saying, it's pretty shocking sometimes what he's saying and who he's speaking to and how he's speaking to them. And we're not going to be disappointed again tonight in uh, something that he does. So let's look at it here and learn from how the Lord handles the situation beginning with verse 24. Mark chapter 7 beginning with verse 24. And from thence he arose... And he went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered into a house 
and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet or fitting to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone, gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Let's pray and then we'll carry on. Lord, we just pray that you'll help us tonight as we've opened up this passage. We pray, God, that you will open this passage up to us, that, Lord, you'll show us uh, truths here and, and, and faith and humility and, and, Lord, how you work. I pray, God, that op- you'll open our hearts and, uh, Lord, just show us uh, what we need to learn from this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to talk about how Jesus has done all things well. That phrase actually comes later on in the next story, and we'll skip the story for now, but look down at verse 37. After another miracle Jesus does, the people are beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. And He has. He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. In this account... Jesus, we're told in in verse 24, he goes up, he arises, and he goes up into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, north, into Gentile territory. Now, if you can see the map up here, uh, right up here is Tyre, and here's Sidon. They're highlighted on on our map. Um, This, of course, is the Dead Sea. Down here is the area of Judea we've talked about. Uh, Jerusalem is down here, the temple. This is where... Uh, the center of Judaism is. And then up here, you can follow the Jordan River up. We have the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, of course, from Nazareth and uh, does most of his ministering during these three years right up here in the area of the Sea of Galilee. Well, at this time, he is going on up north into Gentile country. Tyre and Sidon, these two cities are almost always mentioned together, sister cities, uh, lots of prophecy uh, with these cities mentioned in them. And that is where he is at. He is seeking again, as we've seen him do numerous times, he's seeking some kind of refuge from the crowd. Jesus is the God-man, and he needs sleep as much as you and I need sleep. And he needs to eat, and he needs strengthened, and, and he's looking for a place just to get away from the crowd. And so he comes into a house, apparently, but he could not be hid. Um, then we see in verse 25, we're told of a woman. It says, for a woman, or a, uh, um, a certain woman, had a young daughter. Now that word young can also be translated little, a little girl. And we've already seen this, haven't we? Uh, uh, Jairus and his daughter. Here's another parent whose young daughter, whose little daughter, 
is possessed by a devil. Now, you know, it's, it's hard for us to put ourselves there, isn't it? Um, can you imagine the turmoil? What if one of your children, what if one of my children was possessed of a devil? And these things do happen even today. Um, apparently back in these days, and in this culture at least, this was going on a lot. There were a lot of people who were possessed with, with devils and evil spirits, even children. We, we read of stories in the Bible where children were cast into f- fire. The devil's trying to destroy them, and, and, and even that doesn't make any sense. And, and um, these wild, raging spirits, we have our ideas of who and what they might be, but we don't really know for sure. Um, but they were possessing people, and here's a mama whose little girl is possessed of a demon. And this is a Gentile lady. Um, she falls at the feet of Jesus Christ. In verse 25, we see that. When she had heard of him, as she came to him, she falls at his feet. She is desperate. I put a picture up here on the screen. Of course, we don't know what these people looked like, but it's good sometimes to think they were real people. This is not just a, a fairy tale or, or just, just a Bible story. Um, this was a real woman with a real little girl who really was possessed of a demonic spirit. And she's really desperate. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. But she hears about somebody who maybe could help her. Who else is going to help her? Where else can she go? Where else can she run? So she goes to this one called Jesus with, I'm sure, great hope in her heart. What can he do? I've heard he's cast devils out of other children and other people before. So she goes to him, begging him for help for her daughter. And again, she's a Gentile. And then verse 27, here we are again. Jesus saying something we never would have expected to come out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus says unto her, let the children first be filled. For it is not meet or fitting to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Discrimination. Racism. Microaggressions. Hate speech. Where's the sensitivity, Jesus? Oh my. Don't we hear a lot of that today in our society and in our world? Um, what is Jesus doing? Now you have to admit, that sounds pretty hateful, doesn't it? At first glance. That sounds mean. That sounds hard and harsh. And it was to a point. What's Jesus trying to do here? Boy, I think we can learn a really good lesson here. Well, I know we can. It's scripture. The Lord Jesus said it. But first of all, you know what's interesting when you go through these passages, when you go through a book like this and you study, you track Jesus, you follow him and you see how he's working. And there's been quite a few people now, hasn't there? that have added up, that Jesus has worked with and for, isn't it interesting that he never deals with people all in the same way? He deals with people, at least in the accounts that we have in the Scripture, everybody's different. Now, it's the same message, same gospel, same Jesus, but everybody's an individual, and they all have a different way that Jesus worked with them. Jesus knows the heart, doesn't he? He knows the real issues that the individuals are dealing with. And sometimes we're given those issues, such as the rich young ruler. We're told that the rich young ruler had certain problems, and Jesus 
dealt with him in a very different way than Jesus dealt with a man named Nicodemus, right? Both of them sort of asked the same kind of question, but Jesus answered in two very different ways. One of them, by the way, was full of pride, and Jesus dealt with that pride in the way that he answered the man. And one of them seemed to be searching with a contrite heart, and Jesus dealt with that man in a different way. Now, we're not Jesus, are we? We're not God. We can't necessarily read the hearts of men. But boy, we can learn so much through these accounts. And here's a woman that Jesus deals with like he's not dealt with anyone else. He knows the needs. He knows the hearts. He knows the needs of those around the individual who are looking on and who are watching. And by the way, that's us tonight. As we open up the scriptures, we're looking on. We're watching. And Jesus is teaching us as well how he will use each situation to teach all of us. Jesus sees the big picture. Jesus is up above that maze that we're all in and going through. And he knows the right way and he knows where we're headed. He sees the whole thing. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad he doesn't let you get up there every now and then to see? Scare us to death, wouldn't it? But we just take the next step. We follow him. We let him lead. And we trust that he sees it. He knows what he's doing. So, I thought of this, by the way, this week with a a friend of mine whose son, I'll just go ahead and tell you, um, as a prayer request tonight, um, uh, many of you know uh, People's Baptist Church in Harrisonburg, and a good friend of mine is their assistant pastor, Jay Hanger. Jay's oldest son, Caleb, has suddenly, they don't know what is going on, he began having long story short, uh, seizures, and lots of them, and very serious situation. And here he is in his senior year of high school, and here he is graduating. He actually can, he's had this for about a year, but he can graduate. He he was able to keep up with that, but they still don't know. Test after test, and some of you have been through this kind of thing. All they can do at this point is just continue to try to rule things out. And he and I had a great uh, conversation the other day um, at the pastor's fellowship, and It's in these times that we really have our faith strengthened, isn't it? Lord, we don't know why. We don't understand. We can't see the whole thing. But I will trust you. I will trust you. You know, I don't know what Caleb may have gone through had he not gone through this, right? He has his plans, but they're not going to work out the way that he thought. Ever been there? You know, we don't know what God may be saving us from. We we don't know all of those details. But we can trust the one who does know. We can trust the Savior. He sees the big picture. Jesus says, let the children be fed first. What does this mean? It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Notice two words here that that somebody's pointed out that I thought was good and I thought I would share with you. The word in this verse, verse 27, the word first. Look at the verse again. Verse 27, but Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, that is some kind of an indication, right? That if there's a first, there's a second. So it's a little bit of an indication mercy must be coming, right? It's not like Jesus, at least in this verse, says, no way, not helping you. But he says, let the children first be filled. Um, Jesus wasn't giving the impression of completely denying the woman here, but he was giving the impression 
that there were others who might come first. Right? There's others who might come first before you. What's he doing? Um, That would be hard on my pride. How about you? Would that be hard on your pride? Again, I don't know this lady, and we're not told all of her story. We're not told her the details. Maybe this is something she said to somebody else along the way. We don't know. Jesus knows her heart. But we're just inferring those kinds of things. But he says, first, the others need to be taken care of. Um, especially in a society such that they lived in with such prejudices, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Samaritans and the Jews, very, very prejudiced against one another, hateful of each other. Um, And by the way, we're going to see, I believe in this, Jesus is already showing those that are around him things to come. Remember, the Jews were washing their hands. We saw that this morning. (laughs) Get the defilement of the Gentiles off before we eat. All of this kind of thing was going on in those societies. Well, would she rile up with pride after he says this? Her nationality, her self-esteem, or would she have a heart of humility? After he says this. The second word we want to see, the word first, the second word is the very last word of the verse, dogs. Dogs. Again, he says, for it is not fitting or meet to take the children's bread and cast it under the dogs. Now, it's interesting to note that there are two words in the Bible, in the New Testament, for that word dog. Um, The one meant hound or beast, brute, dog, hound, beast. And the other one meant, or means, puppy. Or, uh, there's not really a word for it in the English language, but somebody said that maybe the best word that we could think of would be doggy. So it's doggy, puppy, and the idea is a, a house pet. Something that is cared for, something that is important, but not in first place. When it comes to feeding and when it comes to the meals, the children are first, then you feed the doggies. So do you see how it's not maybe as harsh as it comes off at first glance uh, when, you've, when you actually understand what these words mean and what they're saying? So there's, a, there's indication here of some mercy to come, but at the same time, Jesus is putting others first and maybe he's prying and he's working in her heart. Um, verse 28 Is this an amazing verse? This woman could have stood up after Jesus just called her a dog. I mean, doggy puppy, he still called her a dog. And still said, the children need to be fed first. This woman could have stood up. She could have dusted herself off. She could have looked at him. She could have spit at him. Turned right around and never looked back yelling about her rights, and she would have never received the miracle that she received, right? You know, this is hard for us to take, isn't it? You know, you think about this, it's, it's hard for us because of the society that we live in. Um, to understand this and to see what Jesus is doing. But look at her response. She didn't do that. She says, yes, Lord. Yet the doggies under the table eat of the children's crumbs. (laughs) Wow. Wow. What a humble answer. Now, 
we have to understand she's in a state of desperation, isn't she? She's in a state of desperation. And do you find that, or do you see often in life that God often has to bring people to sometimes some kind of desperation before they will finally, and, and here's what he says, seek him with all of their heart. And you know what he promises when they do that, when we do that? We find him. For you find me when you seek me with all your heart. So she has opportunity here from the Savior to just turn around, forget it, cry, racism, prejudice, whatever, walk away. I've got my rights. Nobody's going to treat me like that. Nobody's going to talk to me like that. But instead, she has humility, humility in her heart. And she puts away her pride. And she seeks this one with all of her heart, this Jesus. And what happens? He heals her daughter. He said unto her, for, the same, for this saying, go thy way, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now, you think, wow, what Jesus did was bad. Well, can I tell you something? It's actually worse than what we see here in Mark. If you take the Gospels, and we've seen this a lot, right? Other Gospels can give us more detail as to what took place in certain situations. Hold your place here in Mark 7 and go back with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 and look at Matthew's account of the same story, same woman. And in Matthew chapter 15, let's read what Matthew says beginning with verse 21. Matthew 15 beginning with verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan, this is the same woman, Gentile lady, the Syrophoenician woman, came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Look at verse 23. But he answered her, not a word. So we don't, we're not told this in Mark, but in Matthew we're told he totally ignored her. He didn't even look at her. Answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she, now look at verse 25, and what? Worshipped him. Isn't that something? And worshipped him. Do you ever feel like God's treating you badly? you ever feel like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why are you speaking to me this way? Why are you treating me so badly? And yet she worshipped him. She worshipped him no matter what. She sought him with all of her heart, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet or fitting to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Isn't that something? Beautiful story. Look at verse, this verse on the screen, Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. You know, the Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways. 
through. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Can we trust Him? Even if it's looking really odd. Even if He seems to be saying something we wouldn't have expected. He's in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite. And what's the next word? Humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Have you ever had somebody treat you badly? And you get riled up. That's not fair. That's mean. How dare they treat me that way? I have my rights. You know, it might be that God is using that person to do exactly what he did with this lady in my life. He might be trying to teach me humility. We have to be very careful, don't we, in in modern day America to remember what pride and humility is. To remember that, yes, we have our rights and, and nobody wants to be a doormat and God doesn't expect his children to be doormats. But letting the Holy Spirit use every situation every situation in our lives to teach us what he wants to teach us. And humility is a hard one to learn, isn't it? It's hard for me. Humility. Having the kind of humility that this lady had. But look what the Bible says again in Psalm chapter 34. The Lord is near unto certain people. Do you want the Lord to be near you? I do. I want the Lord to be near. I want to be near him. I think we would all agree with that and say that tonight. Well, who's he near to? Those that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Brokenness, what will we be broken over? Sin. Humility. It's the opposite of pride. The opposite, the total complete opposite of pride, which we'll talk about more in a minute. Remember the lesson that we learned in verses 20 through 23 this morning. Jesus teaches that it's what comes out of the heart That is important. Jesus had appealed to this woman's prejudices. And she showed a humble heart. Also, remember the disciples are watching. They're looking at this. And in Matthew, we saw that they were saying, Lord, send her away. She's bugging us. She keeps crying after us. Just send her away. He doesn't do that, does he? They're watching. They're seeing what he's going to do. And he actually is responding in the way they would have expected right? The Jews hate the Gentiles. The Gentiles hate the Jews. And I can imagine when he said, called her a dog, (laughs) they probably were like, but then he goes on and they're watching. They watch her response and they watch his response to her. And you know, it's not going to be too much longer from this story when Peter, which we saw in Acts, is going to find himself in front of a man named Cornelius. And the gospel is going to begin to go out to not just the Jews, but into all the world, to the Gentiles, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. Isn't that something? And I just believe in these stories, just like the woman at the well, just like this here Phoenician woman, Jesus is beginning to teach those disciples about mercy and about the truth of the gospel and what it's going to be accomplishing in all the world. Yes, to the Jew first, but into all the world. 
Well, again, verse 29 through 30, Jesus honors this woman's humble response back in Mark chapter 7. And he gives her, isn't this interesting, all the privileges of being one of the children. He gives her. All the privileges of being one of the children. She returns home, and you can imagine her joy. I believe she had faith to believe all the way home that what Jesus said was true. And she rejoiced all the way home. But boy, to see it with her own eyes. When she walked in that room that was so full of darkness and terror, who knows what else. And now her little daughter is healed. What Jesus said took place. And he helped her. And he gave her what she wanted. She returns home and she has passed the test that Jesus gave her. But what about you and me tonight? How do we do when God tests us, as we've already alluded to? How hard is it to put away our pride and act and respond to situations in life with humility? With humility. This morning, uh, Joshua, I appreciate Josh giving us a little lesson in teen class this morning. And it was something that he had done in college, and he shared it with us this morning in the class. A simple lesson on the basic Christian principle of thankfulness and gratitude. But how vital that little principle is. Thankfulness, a thankful spirit, a grateful spirit. And not only how vital it is for ourselves, but how vital it is for our testimony. Especially in a world where nobody seems to be very thankful. Everybody's craving stuff for themselves, fighting to get to the top, right? And, and what does it do? What kind of light is it? What kind of salt is it when someone is actually thankful, has a thankful spirit, has a thankful demeanor, goes to church and picks up the hymnal and sings the songs in the service because they're thankful for what God has done for them? Something, isn't it? The basic principles of Christianity and how powerful they are in a sinful world. And this is another one. Humility. Humility. Even in the face of injustice. And again, there's a balance here, not being a doormat, but at the same time, having this humility that Jesus wants us to have. For thou, Lord, Scripture says, desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, is sacrifice important? Well, if we read on in that passage, David goes on to say, then I will give sacrifice. Kind of goes with our message this morning. The outward stuff. Yes, that's important. The outward things are good if my heart's right. And if my heart is right, God doesn't desire that. Right? I'm not earning any brownie points with God because I showed up to church today if my heart's wrong with God. Matter of fact, I may just make things worse. If I've got all the right doctrine and I say, I've got it right, I've got it right, I've got it right, that's important. But if my heart's wrong with God, I'm not earning any brownie points with God. We're not going to get to heaven one day and God's going to have first place awards for who's had it most right. I don't find that verse in the Bible, do you? Why, you Baptists, you had most of it right, first place for Baptists. Now, is it important to be right? Again, I don't want to make confusion. Yes, it's very important. We need to know this. We, we, but the first thing's the heart. Then we'll offer sacrifice. The first place is a broken and a contrite spirit. You know what's going to happen? If my heart's broken, 
In other words, I can't stand my sin. Oh, God, take this pride away from me. Oh, Lord, help me to be near you. Help me to be close to you. He's going to show me the things that are right. Right? It all goes together. It all works together. And God doesn't despise that broken and contrite spirit. Jesus knows how to deal with the rich young ruler. Jesus knows how to deal with the Pharisees. Jesus knows how to deal with Peter and other disciples. Jesus knows how to deal with the demoniac. Jesus knows how to deal with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, when his daughter dies. Jesus knows how to deal with the Syrophoenician woman. And Jesus knows how to deal with me. And he knows how to deal with you. And we can trust whatever comes into our life. We can trust. He's, he knows what he's doing. And he's leading me along as a good shepherd leads his sheep. No, we're not all cookie-cutter Christians. And I'm afraid many times we all want us to be cookie-cutter Christians, don't we? But Jesus deals with people in different ways. He may allow things into my life that he won't allow in the next person's life. I don't know exactly why, but I can trust him. He knows how to bring us all forth as gold after we're tried in the fire, if we submit to him and allow him to do just that. Now, for the next little bit, let's talk about this sin of pride. Because I really do believe that that's one of the main lessons we can learn from this story, from this passage. Pride, every sin that can be committed, someone said, and I believe is true, is traceable back to that sin, pride. Every sin that can be committed is traceable back to pride. Why do we refuse when we realize we really were wrong? But I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Why do we do that? Right? We refuse to apologize. And often this is the case with our loved ones that we're so close to. Well, they know. Right? What is that? Do you ever see that creeping up in you? So often I look out at y'all. Are they agreeing with me? <laughs> I think you agree with me, right? Yeah, we all see it, don't we? We see it in ourselves. And it's, we hate it. And that's where that broken spirit comes. When we see it and we hate it. We don't like it. Lord God, I'm sorry. I don't want this in me. I don't like what I see when I look into myself many times and when God tests me with these things. Apologizing and confessing sin. Yeah, but, but, but. But it's their fault. But God understands me. But uh, wait a minute. What is that? Pride. Pride. Confessing sins, making restitution with someone. This is a sin, by the way, that if you study out sins in the Bible and you look at pride, this is a sin that God especially hates. Look what he says that he desires. Look who he draws near to. And if he puts that much emphasis on that, look at the opposite side of that. Who is it that he rejects? Who is it that he pushes away from him? It's those who do not have a broken and a contrite heart. It's those who are full of pride. And we all see it in ourselves. Proverbs 6, I don't have all these on the screen. Let me just quote them to you. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. We'll stop there for the first three. Now I want you to think about those three. The first three in the list of things that God, what? Hates. That's a strong word, isn't it? The number one thing in the list in Proverbs chapter 6 is a proud look. 
sitting right beside a lying tongue, sitting right beside the murder of innocence. Now that ought to tell us something about what God thinks about my pride and how terrible it really is. God's word says it proceeds from a filthy heart. Um, God's word insults the very appearance of the proud in Psalm chapter 73. How does God describe the, the proudful? Ezekiel 16 verse 49 says, Behold, this, now listen to this, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. What was the iniquity of Sodom? What was the sin of Sodom? Pride. That's what Ezekiel says. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. When we think of, think of Sodom, what do you think of? Well, we're dealing with it today, aren't we? But what was the sin that the Lord said was the sin, the core problem of Sodom? Pride. That's where it started from. And that causes other problems. The root problem was pride. We're talking today about gay pride. Perversion comes out of pride. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Sometimes parents tell their kids we should never hate. Well, that's actually not scriptural. Now, we know what we mean when we say that. We don't hate other people. But there is a godly kind of hate when we hate sin and we hate pride as God hates it. We must hate sins and certainly the mother of sin, pride and arrogance, and hate it the most when we see it popping up in ourselves. Hate that sin of pride. Put it away. Proverbs 11:2. when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Isn't that true? When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. God sees to it that pride is followed by shame, and the proud will be humbled. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride, here's probably the most famous one, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. The pride of man must always bow before the godness of God. The pride of man must always bow before the godness of God. For instance, King Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. He learned a lesson of humility, didn't he? After his sanity returned to him, he understood who God was and he gladly submitted to God. This is the definition of what it means to be sane, is to submit to God, to bow to God, and to put away pride. One who treasures in their hearts who God really is. And then someone said this, and I wanted to share it with you, we talked about it before, the antidote to pride, you know what it is? The antidote to pride is boasting. Say what? The antidote to pride is boasting. Psalm 34, 2, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. We're prideful because we do not boast enough. 
in the Lord, that is. Boasting in Him, not in Him, not in ourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. James 4, verse 10. And what an example we have in Mark chapter 7 of a woman, we don't know her name, we don't know about the rest of her story and the rest of her life. I like to think after that experience she had with the Lord that she became a great witness for him throughout that whole region. The humility that she showed us, the things that she does in that story, what a lesson it can be for us. Amen? Humility. May God help us. She was desperate. She was desperate. And she came to Christ. And through her desperation, she sought him with all of her heart. And guess what? She found him. And he answered her prayer. God will always come through for us. Amen? If we trust him and we follow his way. And we learn from the things he wants to teach us. Lord, we thank you tonight for your blessings and your love. And Lord, again, what a reminder it is that though we may not always understand your working in the way you're doing things. Lord, we know we can trust you. We can have faith in you. And God, I pray specifically tonight that you'll help us with pride. Lord, maybe we need to apologize. We need to go home tonight, maybe, or, or our church tonight, I don't know, and, and say I'm sorry to somebody. Tell somebody that we love them. Maybe, Lord, we need to admit to you where we've sinned, where we failed. God, help us to remember that you draw near to contrite hearts. Lord, maybe we've been asserting our rights. Maybe there's something at work, Lord, that we need to take care of. and With a humble spirit, maybe regain our testimony with others. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to be full of gratitude. Help us to be full of humility. Help us, Lord, to learn from this lady's story. We pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, why don't we stand a minute to our feet tonight as we end the service.